Welcome to episode 66 of the Becoming Mind Strong podcast. I am personally super excited about this episode because I am a human who loves learning. I love taking up new skills. I love learning new things. I am a big learning nerd at heart. So what we're going to dive into today is five steps to make learning any new skill easier. Check it out. Welcome to Becoming MindStrong, the official podcast of MindStrong Fitness. My name is Rachel and I'm the CEO of MindStrong Fitness and I am here to teach you truth. No more shakes, no more wraps, no more point systems, no more cutting out carbs, and most of all, no more living off restriction. We are here to learn nutrition as a skill and it's a skill you only need to learn once and you will literally never diet again. So you ready? Let's rock and roll. For most of us, we have a laundry list of things that we always say we want to do someday, right? We want to learn another language. We want to learn some new skill. And more often than not, for a lot of us, what happens is we start it, we start dabbling in it, and it gets super frustrating. There's a lot of, I should know how to do this. Why is this taking so long? Whatever our story is, and we give up and we quit, and we're back to the drawing board of saying, I'd like to one day. So what I want to dive in today are um, five of my favorite tips for learning any new skill. This could literally be learning to get your nutrition in check, learning to start a workout routine, learning to speak a new language, learning to surf, learning to knit, pick your poison, pick your activity. Uh, poison sounds a bit negative in this, in this scenario, but these skills are applicable no matter what context in, in which we're using them. It's more about the neuroscience. It's more about the mindset. It's more about flowing with human nature Right in in our world, in the mind strong world, when we talk about nutrition, when we talk about fitness, everything we're talking about is how do we do this in a way that flows with human nature, not fights against it. And what we're going to talk about with these skills today is exactly that. When we're learning a new skill, be it a language or surfing or whatever else, how do we learn to do this in a way where we're flowing with our nature and not fighting against it? I'm going to share with you five of my top tips that that I use every time I pick up a, a new skill. Um, and that we teach our members to use, obviously, within the context of nutrition and fitness. So the first one, if you've hung out with me before, this is not shocking to you because I preach it from the rooftops, because to me, this is the basis for everything. So step number one for making any new skill easier is baby steps and momentum. As humans, especially if you have a certain type of personality, and I say this because I have this personality where... I, by nature, I am not a baby step person. I am a balls to the wall, throw myself in, let's jump in the deep end kind of person. And maybe that works for you. But a lot of times what happens is when we try to do these major life overhauls, right? You've heard me talk about this a lot when it comes to nutrition and fitness. When we try to go from eating fast food five days a week to eating grilled chicken, you know, seven days a week, or from doing zero workouts to six days a week in the gym, it's too much for our brains. It's not just that we lack willpower. It's not just that our body's sore. That plays into, the soreness plays into it. Willpower kind of plays into it, but even that's an exhaustible resource. What it what we're actually doing is we're fighting against our nature. Our brains are wired for safety. Our brain does not like newness. Our brain's measure of safety and keeping us alive is, is this familiar? So when we do something new, 
our brain freaks out. We could have a whole conversation about fear here and we have in the past and we will more this season, but that's not you being a wuss. That's how that's human nature. Our brain is wired to fight against change. So when we try to go zero to a hundred, when we try to go and jump in the deep end, if it's extreme, if it's too much all at once, your brain is going to panic. It's going to freak out. You're going to self-sabotage and you're not going to stick with it. The way that we avoid that is through baby steps and momentum. I am a huge fan. I think we did a whole podcast episode on it about doing the bare minimum, right? It's one of the weirdest things you'll ever hear a coach say, but whenever I'm learning a new skill, it's okay. What is the bare minimum I can commit to? And it's a feeling, not a thought. The second you feel tension in your body, we talked about this in the last couple episodes, the the second you feel tension in your body, you're trying to be an overachiever. In this case, you're ruining the exercise. What is the bare minimum I can commit to? And we start there. So if you're going to learn to surf, I don't recommend that that you're out there on the water six days a week for two hours at a time, right? Maybe a surfing coach would say differently, but for me, as someone who understands human psychology and neuroscience, that's a recipe for burnout. You might love it. You might do that really intensely for a couple of weeks, but at some point, your life is not going to allow for that. It's going to be too much too soon, and you're not going to stick with it, and it's going to become very black or white, all or nothing. So maybe you do it two days a week for a half hour at a time. If you haven't listened to the earlier episode called, I titled it the Jason method after my brother. The other thing that baby steps and momentum do is not only do we avoid overwhelm, but it leaves you wanting more. That episode in the Jason method, we talk about the psychology of, of stopping yourself from doing as much as you want to. I like to relate it to like a first date, like you leave them wanting more and you build that excitement. And, you know, if you're going balls to the wall and you're going six days a week for two hours at a time, that's burnout. But two days a week, 30 minutes at a time, now you're creating excitement like, oh, I can't wait to get back on the water on Thursday because it's been two days and and I'm missing it and whatever else. And we build that tension. We build that excitement towards. So whenever you're starting a new skill, the first exercise that I always start with is what we talked about in the past couple episodes. Close your eyes, take a deep breath, feel into what is the bare minimum that I can commit to and repeat, repeat, repeat for curiosity. With that, number two, number two on the list is throwing yourself an internal party. And again, we talked about this in the past couple episodes when we were talking about where to start. It can feel really hokey. It can feel really cheesy to celebrate ourselves, especially when we feel like we're setting the bar really low. Like seriously, Rachel, you like, I'm going to go out on the water. I'm going to stick with the surfing example. I'm going to go out on the water two days a week for 30 minutes. And you want me to throw myself a party? Like there's people doing this eight hours a day. That's nothing. In what world (laughs) are you going to feel good about the progress you're making when that's the story in your head, right? What we are doing with celebrating ourselves is not some BS cheerleader rah-rah stuff. Not to say that cheerleaders are BS rah-rah stuff, but my point is it's deeper than that. When we take the moments to celebrate the work we've put in, to celebrate sticking to our own commitment, to celebrate, I made a promise to myself and I did it. This is neuroscience. This is biology. In your brain, when you pump yourself up like that, your brain is releasing a chemical called dopamine. Dopamine is a feel-good chemical. You've probably heard me say before, all of us are just glorified drug addicts. We're just everything in life, every decision we make is because we're looking for a dopamine hit, right? It's the reason we buy nice cars. It's the reason we want a, a nice house. It's the reason that we fall in love. It's the reason we eat certain foods sometimes, not always for dopamine. (laughs) I should say the reason we crave certain foods. 
every, every decision in life, when we trace it back, it's that we're looking to feel good. Everything comes back to a feeling and that feeling there's other chemicals involved, but dopamine is a big one of them. So when you do this thing, when you say, you know what, I went out on the water for 30 minutes this day. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a ton. I'm not going to like sugarcoat it and say, I'm suddenly the best surfer in the world and freaking proud of myself. Like that was fun. Yeah. I was a hot mess. I had no idea what I was doing, but I did it. I stuck to my commitment and I feel really good about that. And it takes 20 seconds. And in those 20 seconds, that dopamine's releasing your body. You feel incredible. So a couple of days later, maybe you don't feel like putting your 30 minutes in, 20 or 20 minutes in, whatever you decided on. And now your brain has proof of, wait a second, remember last time I did it? Remember how good I felt afterwards? I bet if I just get my butt out there, then I get to, then I'll see how it feels, right? But I bet if I just take that first step, if I get out there, it's going to feel as good as it did that last time. And as we talked about in the past few episodes, we are pleasure-seeking creatures. So the more you do this, the easier and easier it gets because now your brain is being wired. Think back to what we know about myelin and neural connections. Now your brain is being wired to say, wait a second, this activity releases dopamine. I feel good about myself when I do this. I want more of that. Give me more of that, right? Again, this is true of nutrition. This is true of fitness. This is true of learning in general, we are pleasure-seeking creatures, and when we take that moment to, to celebrate ourselves, to celebrate our commitment that we made, that we stuck with our promise, we're releasing dopamine, we're releasing feel-good chemicals, and that's how we start to keep that consistency, and that builds habits. So we have number one, baby steps and momentum. Number two, celebrate the small wins. Number three, number four, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of group them together. Number three, I'm talking about the power of curiosity. And number four, I'm talking about checking your ego. And to me, these kind of go hand in hand because what I found with myself is that whenever I start to learn a new skill, there's a lot of shoulding, S-H-O-U-L-D-I-N-G involved. Oftentimes, especially in the, in the past before I dove deeper into this mindset work, and it still creeps in from time to time. When I learn a new skill, suddenly these stories pop in like, I should be better at this. I should be learning this faster. It seems like other people get this more than me. I shouldn't have to ask that question because I should already know. And that is the number one, in my opinion, that is the number one thing that holds us back. The second that your ego gets involved, that you start telling yourself what you should or shouldn't do, what you should or shouldn't know, whatever the story is, you're going to stop your progress because that's when we stop asking questions. That's when we get into this tightness and, and all the, the shoulds, the have tos, the musts, the mustn'ts, all the things that fight against our human nature. So I'm putting three and four together for this reason. When we can put our ego to the side, right? And if you remember our discussion about talking to yourself like a kindergartner, this can be really powerful here. When we can put our ego to the side and say, you know what? This is brand new. And holy crap, is this more challenging than I thought it was going to be? And man, am I feeling frustrated right now. So let me take a deep breath and let me get a little curious, right? This is super interesting. I did not expect this to be that challenging. So what is something that I can focus on? What's a part that I'm doing really, really well that I can kind of dig into just to feel a little, a little better about all this? And then maybe I shift my attention once I'm standing in my power again. What's a spot that's really giving me trouble? And instead of feeling this big overwhelm of the whole task, maybe I can just focus in on one little spot and really dig in and get curious and learn and grow and adjust. The power of curiosity, and you've heard me talk about this in, in the realm of nutrition and the realm of, of fitness and mindset work, and this is very true in learning any new skill. 
the power of curiosity is one of the most powerful tools that we have as humans. The more that we can step into a space of, huh, this is interesting. What can I learn here? What am I doing well? What am I not doing well? What's one specific place where I can really dig in? When we take our ego out of it and we step into this place of just childlike curiosity, I don't care if I suck at this. I know I've never done this before. Of course, I'm going to suck at it right off the bat. And we can just stay curious. We can stay light. We can have levity around it. This is how we stay with it. And this is how what we build, which is coming up in step number five, this is how we build consistency. Okay, so we've got baby steps and momentum. We've got celebrating the small victories along the way. We're kind of grouping three and four together of curiosity and checking your ego. And then number five, the the, the fifth step for, for making any new task, any new skill easier is focusing on consistency, not results. And that sounds super counterintuitive, but this is especially true in the beginning, right? Eventually, as you get better at something, of course, we want to be monitoring results. And when you think about the distance from point A to point Z, pick any skill, right? If you're if it's your first day in the gym, the distance between the day that you learn what a bicep curl is and the day that, that you flex in the mirror and see this massive bicep bump, there is a lot that goes on in between those things. And if that's your measure of success, I tell you this with all the love in the world, you're never going to stay with it. There are too many ups, downs, and sideways along the way for you to stick with it with that long term of a goal. You know, same thing with weight loss. If your goal is to lose 100 pounds and your measure of success is only the scale, number one, go back and listen to the podcast episode about the scale because you're setting yourself up for disaster. And there are so many ups, downs, and sideways on that journey that if that's your only measure of success, you're never going to stick with it. We need these smaller steps along the way, right? Same thing is true. We'll stick with our, our surfing analogy. If day one on a board, when you, when the waves are knocking you on your ass every single time, which is totally normal, but your measure of success is watching a pro surfer and saying, that's where I want to be. You're never going to stick with it. That is such a long journey. So what can we focus on in the beginning? And I'm not necessarily talking about goals, right? We want little milestone goals. Maybe being able to fit into a new pair of jeans is a milestone goal. Maybe being able to stand up on your board for 30 seconds at a time is a milestone goal. Those are important as well. But what I'm talking about here is where your focus lies on a daily basis. Because when the focus from point A is only on point Z, you're setting yourself up for disaster. So we've talked a lot in this context about how habits work, right? You've heard me say a million times, a neural connection is formed. This stuff called myelin coats it like cement. When enough myelin is coated, we have a full-blown habit. And with that, we've taken a step back and said, okay, if, if habits are the holy grail and the way we build habits is through coating myelin, what is the key to this? And the key to this, this meaning anything, is consistency. So in the beginning, when you're learning a new skill, be it surfing or knitting or macros or fitness or whatever else, to me, literally, the only thing that matters, except maybe technique, is consistency, right? We want to make sure that we're being consistent with correct form or you know pronunciation, whatever the skill is. But if we know that the holy grail is forming a habit and the way we form habits is by coding myelin, and the way we cope myelin is by being consistent. I don't care at all how many workouts you're doing when you go into a gym. 
I care that you got your ass to the gym for however many days you said you were going to that week. Because now we're coding the myelin that we are someone who goes to the gym X number of days, right? In the beginning, I don't care if you never hit your macros perfectly. I care that you're getting in the habit of tracking your food and playing the game because we're forming a neural connection that we are a person who tracks our food, who learns the skill of macros, and we know it's going to take time. I don't care if you can't stand on your board for two seconds when you take it out there to learn to surf. What I care is that you're getting out there in the water however many days a week you said you're going to because we're building that neural connection that we're someone who practices surfing however many days a week we work, that we plan to. This, to me, consistency is the only measure of success in the in the beginning. I don't care if you suck at it. I don't care if you're great at it. You know, we have people who are like, man, I feel like I'm flailing because everyone else locked their macros in in three weeks and it's taken me six. And my answer is I literally could not care less. I care about you as a human. Like, let's talk about your frustration. Let's do some mindset tools. But it does not matter because when we understand the neuroscience of habits, literally the only thing that matters in the beginning is that consistency. So when we combine these tools, when we combine baby steps and momentum, um, celebrating the small wins, staying curious, checking our ego and focusing on consistency, when we take a step back and look at this from a bird's eye view, we can see where these conversations of talking to ourselves like a kindergartner come into play. Okay, so I'm going to give you a longer example of how I these are conversations I actually have in my own head. And if you're not used to it, again, it's going to sound really hokey and really strange. And that's good, right? That shows you that there's work to do in terms of how to rewire your brain to be nicer to you, to be to be a coach instead of a jerk, just like we talked about in past episodes. So let's say, um, kind of sick of this surfing analogy. Let's go with knitting. Okay, I do not know how to knit. I've I've never really had an interest in knitting, but I also feel like it'd be very therapeutic. I feel like if I ever took it up, I'd be like, oh, I get why people like this. Not on my radar for right now. So I'm going to use it as an example. Let's say that I decide I want to learn to knit. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to realistically look at my life. Like in my life right now, there's a lot going on, right? I, I have started running recently. <laughs> Maybe I'll look back on this podcast and say, remember when Rachel used to run? What was that about? I've started running. I, I weight train five to six days a week. I do yoga two to three days a week. I'm boxing three to five days a week. Like I've run a business. My, my life has a lot in it right now and I love it. And I'm grateful for every piece of it. And I know that adding in knitting six nights a week for an hour is never going to be sustainable for me. Like I could feel my whole body tense up at that thought, like, oh, please don't add that to my plate. But what I could commit to is like, uh, no, even 30 didn't feel good. I'm going to say 15 minutes. I was about to say 20, but I'm going to go bare minimum. 15 minutes two days a week. I'm going to practice knitting 15 minutes, two days a week. And literally the second I said that out loud, this, even though this is hypothetical, a voice in my head said, are you really going to learn to knit in 15 minutes, two days a week? And the answer is shut the hell up, little voice. I love you. Thanks for protecting me <laughs> or something nicer than shut the hell up. And yes, the answer is I don't care if I'm going to learn to knit in 15 minutes, two days a week. That's not the point of this exercise. The point is, what can I commit to to build consistency, knowing that I'm a pleasure-seeking creature, and if I love it, what's going to happen is I'm going to naturally build on that. I don't care about learning the skill right now. I care about dipping my toe in the water and being consistent. So now I've figured out what my baby step is so I can build momentum. Now, 
today, as I'm recording this podcast, it's Tuesday. Let's say tomorrow's my first day. I need some time to go buy my knitting materials, watch some YouTube videos, figure out what the hell I'm doing. Tomorrow's Wednesday. I get home from the gym and I'm like, oh, I can't believe I added this knitting thing to my plate. I should have chosen a different example on the podcast, but I committed to it. 15 minutes. Here we go. I do my 15 minutes. It is frustrating as hell. I'm like, I don't understand how grandmas do this in their rocking chair watching TV because I just gave it my undivided attention and I sucked at it. And I'm going to get a little curious, huh? First of all, and notice I'm combining the steps, right? I haven't celebrated anything. I'm checking my ego. I'm getting curious. This isn't necessarily an order we go through. And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I'm going to get curious. Wow. This looked way easier on the YouTube video. Like that grandma just built a scarf in like 30 minutes and I haven't gotten two little notches or stitches or whatever they're called. Clearly, I know nothing about knitting and I've been here for 20 minutes. I'm curious what skill I need to practice. Clearly, jumping into the scarf video was not the right call. So I think what I need to do tomorrow is look up a video on this specific stitch so I can really dive in. What I noticed I did well was I seem to have this part of the technique down. But what I'm not doing well is I'm trying to I'm trying to do too much at once. Let me start with the, the stitches and then I'll get into the projects. Then I get done with my 20 minutes. I sit back. I'm like, you know what? I was tired after the gym. I still had work I had to do. I did not want to do this. And that was actually a lot of fun. It was frustrating, but it was a lot of fun. I'm really proud of you, Past Rachel, for making that decision. And I will literally say that to myself. As cheesy as it sounds, if you watch my Instagram stories, I talk to Past Rachel all the time. I will tell her, I am proud of you, Past Rachel, because now I've released that dopamine. From there, it's all about consistency, right? That was that was Wednesday on Friday. I'm like, are you kidding me? You want me to knit on a Friday? Like, I just got done with my work week. I have plans with my friends tonight. I'm going to get the gym in, in between, and you want me to knit. And the answer is, you don't have to, right? There, there's no shoulds here. The world is not going to end if I don't do my 20 minutes of knitting. And I get to choose. I have the power of choice. And I know that right now I have a deep rooted neural connection that knitting is not a part of my life, that Fridays go from work to the gym to going out with friends. So today I'm making the choice that I'm going to squeeze in 20 minutes of my knitting practice because I know when I did it on Wednesday, I felt really good. Like I was pumped up about learning a new skill afterwards. So there's no doubt in my mind that future Rachel is going to be thanking past Rachel for squeezing in tw what's 20 minutes, right? I could do that in time. I'd normally be scrolling on Instagram. So before I go to the gym, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to do my 20 minutes. I'm going to throw myself a party and then I'm going to go about my Friday. And same thing. I'm going to stay curious. I'm going to check my ego. I'm going to celebrate what I did better. At the end, I'm going to throw myself a huge freaking party because it's Friday and it would have been so much easier to just skip that but I made a promise to myself and I kept it and I want the dopamine reward for that. And then I'm going to go about my day. When we can step into this, like, do you feel the levity around this? Compare this to like the, the, the opposite of this. I remember I tried learning snowboarding once and I sucked at it. I have not sucked at a new skill the way I sucked at snowboarding. And my mindset just went to hell. There was so much shooting. There was so I was watching like literally four-year-olds just blow past me on the mountain. And I was like, why do I suck at this? I'm so athletic. I should be better at this, blah, blah. And I, by the end of the weekend, like I hated it. I, I, didn't, I didn't, it's not that I never want to do it again, but I, I recognized if I'm ever going to snowboard again, I need to take a breath and I need to reset because the amount of shooting and beating myself up I just did is going to make me never want to do this again. 
the tension around that, the tension of that shooting and why is that person so much better than me? And they're a fraction of my age. And, you know, why am I so bad at this? And the expectation I put on myself, you can feel that, right? You can feel that tension. But when I'm talking about this knitting thing, it's like, it's fun. It's light. It's curious. Who freaking cares? The world doesn't end if I don't know how to snowboard. The world doesn't end if I know how to knit or don't know how to knit. I'm learning this stuff because it's fun. And it's interesting, even just saying that out loud, I can hear the voice in my head being like, oh, I think I'm ready to try snowboarding again. It's just, it. this is how we stick with things. This is true of nutrition. This is true of workouts. This is true of relationships. This is true of learning any new skill. The second we say, I have to, I should, I must, why aren't I better at this? When we create tension, we are fighting against our human nature. We are pleasure-seeking creatures and we are designed to feel good. So any kind of tension is setting yourself up to quit, to give up, to self-sabotage, to throw in the towel. The more we can step into a place of levity, of curiosity, of celebrating ourselves, of putting our ego aside, of focusing on consistency, this is how we stick with it. And this is how we build skills. This is how we wire in new habits that last for literally a lifetime. When you approach things this way, this is how we cope myelin. This is how we form neural connections, coat that myelin and form habits. And we know if you've hung out with me before, you know, this, you could, you could scream it from the rooftops with me that we are a result of our habits. So if we want to put enough consistency in to form habits that last a lifetime, we have to step into this place of levity of curiosity. We have to learn to flow with our human nature. You can download a totally free chapter of my best-selling book, Becoming Mindstrong, The Truth About Health, Fitness, and the BS That's Holding You Back by going to www.becomingmindstrong.com.